Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to all of you who are here with me today, and all of you watching online as well. Special welcome and greetings to our friends from our Divine Savior Church, West Palm Beach campus. I'm glad I can fill in for Pastor Boggs this weekend. Friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, where does courage come from? The, the courage to do the right thing, even when it might be unpopular. The courage to speak words of truth in love, even when it might potentially cost you something in a relationship. The courage to... Boldly share your faith with, with a friend or, or a co-worker when you're not maybe quite sure exactly how it's going to be received. Where does courage come from? And, and by courage, I'm not just saying, like, never being afraid of anything. I'm, I'm talking about confidence to move through fear. I'm talking about the confidence to be able to speak or act with faith. Over fear. Are some people just born with it? Where does confidence come from? Can you, can you learn it? Is it nature? Is it nurture? Could anybody say possibly it might even begin in confirmation class? Jesus had a confirmation class. Did you know that? Of course, they didn't call it that back then. But there's a lot of similarities between what Jesus did with his disciples as what we do here with our young people over their years in middle school. There's 15 eighth grade students who are going to be confirmed, having taken what we might call confirmation class, where they've spent time studying God's word in the Bible. It's just that in Jesus' case, he had a group of about 12, right? Of disciples, students, learners. This group of Jesus' disciples, they spent about three years with Jesus, didn't they? Learning from him, uh, studying under his guidance and direction. They asked questions and got answers. Sometimes Jesus asked them more questions. Sometimes they needed to be corrected, too, even disciplined. They spent time with Jesus, and in many ways, it's just like what we do in confirmation class. So could that time have begun to give them courage? Could we possibly get courage the same way? I want you to think about that today as we learn from a story in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter it's a true story about some of Jesus' disciples, like after their confirmation, so to speak. All right? And here's what we're going to learn today. We're going to see how bold love comes from being with Jesus. Okay? Bold love comes from being with Jesus. You see, here's what happened. Two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John. Remember them? 
Okay, Peter and John, they got put in jail. And, and you know why? Well, it wasn't because they had committed any crimes, they hadn't done anything bad, but rather they'd been telling people about Jesus. They were telling people that Jesus is the Son of God and that he proved it by rising from the dead. They were saying that, that it was wrong to have crucified Jesus. They were saying that, that everybody everywhere needed to repent of their own sins. That, that is, they need, they need to feel sorry for their sins and turn to God, turn to Jesus and trust in Jesus as their Savior. That, that then God would, would wipe their sins away. That, that then God would forgive them. That then God would uh, refresh their soul and give them a fresh start. Otherwise, they would one day face the judgment of God and be cut off from his presence forever. So how did, how did people react? Right? Well, many people believed their message. They repented of their sins. They, they trusted in Jesus. They discovered the joy of having a relationship with God based on his grace, based on free forgiveness. And by the way, there, are, there is almost no greater joy here on this earth than helping to lead somebody out of that kind of darkness into the light of knowing the grace of God in Christ. But many people, they, they didn't believe and they didn't, they didn't like what Peter and John were saying. They didn't think this was, was bold or loving at all, what they were doing. They wanted to shut Peter and John up. They wanted to silence their message. And that meant they, even were, they were willing to lock up in jail Peter and John, and that's where they, that's where they put them. It takes courage to be a Christian out there in the world, doesn't it? Now, maybe you don't fear in your life that anybody's ever going to threaten to throw you in jail for telling people about Jesus, though that does happen in different places around the world, for sure. But it's not getting easier to try and live a Christian life out there in the world, is it, do you think? Do you think, do you think that the world is cheering for you right now because you decided at this time to come to church instead of go to a party or go do something else? You think the world's going to cheer for you when you decide to, to get up out of bed and go to church on a Sunday morning or, or keep coming on a Saturday evening or whenever instead of doing what the world wants you to do? Or do you expect that people are going to congratulate you when they see that you make decisions in your life so that you can give generously to the church and offerings so that you can support the work of the gospel and share God's word with more people instead of just selfishly keeping it all for yourself and tricking out your next car and, and getting the latest upgrade so that you can keep pace with everybody else? Do you think they're going to congratulate you for that? So what a wise way to live. You think the world's going to celebrate when you post on social media things that reveal your, your biblical Christian worldview, if it conflicts with what is considered progressive and socially acceptable in our world today, do you expect that it's going to be easy to live a sanctified life in college and as adults out in the world 
when you're faced with one temptation after another to do what other people think you need to do to fit in and be popular and be cool. You know, I know that none of the students in our confirmation class this year expect any of those things to be true because they know, they know what the Bible says about the condition of, of our own natural human heart. They know from the Bible that our own sinful human heart, like we, we've got this sinful nature that, that's been passed down to us from one generation to the next ever since Adam and Eve, going way back in the, in the Garden of Eden, when even there in that perfect world, the, the devil came along and, and, he's, and, and to this day continues to sow the same uh, seeds of his lies to get people to doubt or question the, the goodness of God and, and the truthfulness of God's word. And every one of those students in the class knows, just like I know that in my own heart, there's this, there's this little spiritual terrorist. My own sinful nature that remains selfish and greedy and wicked. Right? That to this, to this day and to the day that I die, is gonna, there's, there's, there's this part of me now that, that remains like hostile to God, right? That, that remains unconverted to Christ, that, that remains a little unbeliever in me, that wants to, to drift away from God, that wants to do my own thing. But despite all that, I know that they've also learned where uh, bold love or where courage comes from. That bold love comes from being with Jesus. Check this out. Remember, I told you how Peter and John were, were put in jail, right? Well, the next day, they're, they're brought out. They're given the opportunity to, to speak. They're brought out for questioning. And when given the opportunity to speak, they're, they're, they're not even there to, like, defend themselves. They just want to talk more about Jesus. And here's what they say about Jesus. This is from Acts chapter 4, verse 12. They say, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation. That's a big word, isn't it? That's one of those big, important words in the Bible that, what does it even mean, right? So maybe we should just unpack that word a little bit to get at what it means, right? This, this word salvation, it, it means literally like deliverance or, or rescue, okay? But, but the question is deliverance or rescue from what, right? Because if salvation means deliverance, let's just say, for example, deliverance from poverty, right? Then perhaps there could be other so-called saviors Perhaps for some people it might be a political system or a certain politician, a different path other than Jesus to financial prosperity and success, if that's deliverance, right? There could be many saviors. Or, or if salvation is having a comfortable lifestyle, there could perhaps be different and better saviors than Jesus who calls people to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him and that sometimes that's going to be hard and painful. 
or if, or if salvation means becoming popular and being famous and having everybody like you, then it might be best to find another Savior different than Jesus. You see what I mean? But if, if salvation means deliverance from going to hell, if it means a dramatic rescue from the, the damnable nature of your own sins, right? yours and mine, if that's salvation, well then, there's simply nobody else qualified to do it but Jesus. Right? The one who's without sin. The sinless Son of God who loved you so much, he came down from heaven, was born of the Virgin Mary, the one who, who loved you so much that in your place he overcame all the devil's temptations to carve out for himself here this comfortable, easy life, to receive all the acclaim and the, the fame and the glory of the world apart from the, the cross. He could have had that and more. To what he deserved. But instead, what happened? He was rejected. He was, he was ridiculed. He was strung up on a cross. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was humiliated. He was crucified. He died and was buried. But you know, that's not the end of the story, is it? Because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead just as he said he would. He ascended into heaven, and yet he says he's coming back one more time on the last day as the judge of all the living and the dead. Who is he? He's the, the one whose name means Savior. Jesus. Right? Jesus Christ our Lord, forever praised be his name. There is no other Savior who could rescue us from the gaping jaws of hell except the one who's already endured all that so that you and I wouldn't have to. That's what Jesus came to do. If salvation, uh, if salvation is eternal deliverance from going to hell. What, what Jesus accomplished, the rescue that he has finished, if that's what salvation is, well, then, then you can see Exactly why people like, like Peter and John would have this kind of courage, this kind of boldness, this kind of desire to want to go out there and tell people about salvation. This is why they say, when given the chance to defend themselves, they just want to say, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Over the last couple of weeks, in our confirmation class, uh, Pastor Caleb and I, we've been, been teaching the last couple uh, weeks, and we've been teaching this group for, for, for a while. Um, we've been teaching them about the end times. And part of that is we, we, we had them look up different passages about heaven and, and about hell. And we gave them this uh, assignment in class to, to look at the, the, the list of passages about heaven, the list of, the, of passages about hell, and to, to pick one. And, uh, one from each, and then we gave them about, about 10 minutes to kind of just uh, illustrate or sketch out from the details of that passage, heaven and hell. And then we put some of those up on the screen, and we had fun. We asked the kids to try and guess 
based on the, the picture that was illustrated, which Bible verse that they had read and studied, they thought it was, they thought it was depicting. So what I want to do, I just want to show you a couple of those little sketches that the kids drew, because they, they help us to illustrate this, this concept of, of what uh, Peter and John are talking about in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, this, this salvation that, that comes from Jesus. And of course, it, it's not fun to think about hell, is it? I don't think it's fun to, to have people draw pictures of hell, but unless we understand what the Bible says about the reality of hell, we're never going to have a full appreciation of the salvation that Jesus gives us. Without understanding the horror of hell, we'll never have an appreciation of just what it means to have the eternal joy of heaven awaiting us. So here's a couple of pictures of hell. A place of conscious eternal torment, like a corpse that's being eaten but never fully decayed. Pain and sorrow, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Regret, anger, Ugh. all the regret. Hell's not a place where you have fun. Longing for refreshment, for maybe for pizza too, but never getting anything that eases your suffering or pain. Right? That's hell. Having seen that, let's think a little bit then about what heaven is. Like a feast with Jesus prepared, all your longings finally and forever fulfilled. Believers with God forever and ever and ever. A welcoming home party. People from all over the world together, all barriers and divisions gone in the presence of Jesus. Eternal life with the Lord and with his holy angels. I don't know how well you can see it, but here's another picture. And uh, try and get past for just a moment that Jesus here looks like he has a mustache like Pastor Caleb, okay? Because I want you to see what this is actually, I think, portraying in a really cool and profound way. Right? You see Jesus, it's like you see some stairs going up, and, it's almost, and there's Jesus, right? But it's almost like the stairs are like part of Jesus, like his legs or something there, right? And his arms are open wide, inviting. I don't know how well you can see it, but in yellow, there's, there's a door. Can you see it? It's like the door is actually part of Jesus. Jesus is the door, the door to heaven. Now, people in our world today might say that it's arrogant or narrow-minded to claim that there's only one way to heaven, one path, one door. They might wish that there were other paths, many paths, other doors. But speaking the truth in love, the scriptures are clear. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's just one way. His name is Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. There is no other door. Jesus is the door. But friends, how wonderful that is because the door is open. 
It's open to you and to me and to everybody who simply believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior. It doesn't matter how successful you are in life or how popular you are or or where you come from or how you dress or how good or even how bad you've behaved in life. In the end, what matters is having a repentant heart, a humble heart that clings to Jesus Christ. That's what matters for you and for me. And if any of you are sitting here today or watching online and you're not sure about that, yet it matters, yes, for you. Believe in Jesus. He has done it all. Enter through the door and be saved. Salvation is the gift that Jesus gives because of the work that he has accomplished for you. So here's one more picture. Thank you, Sebastian. Mark 16, verse 16. Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Friends, salvation is found in Christ alone. And that's what Peter and John wanted the world to know. And so here's what we're told next in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Check out the reaction. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Remember what I said about courage at the beginning? Where where does courage come from? It comes from being with Jesus. Bold love comes from being with Jesus. Peter and John weren't all that special in and of themselves. They were just ordinary men. But they had been with Jesus. And friends, so have you. I know it's different. But you too have been with Jesus. You've, you've been in worship together, gathered around his word and sacraments. You, you've, you've studied God's word in the Bible. You know that Jesus promises in his word. Jesus says this, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am with them. And you know that Jesus is the one who says, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And if ever any of you ever feels like you're just kind of plain and ordinary, you know what? That's okay. Remember a couple weeks ago in, in 2 Corinthians, we heard the Apostle Paul talk about how, he, like, he says, even me, Apostle Paul, I'm just like a frail jar of clay. To be weak, to be fragile, to be vulnerable, to know it, it's okay. Because you know what? God has placed a treasure in you. That, that treasure is the gospel. That treasure is the message of salvation. We've been saved. We've been saved. By Jesus to serve others, we've been saved by Jesus to share the message of His victory and His love with, with others who don't yet know it. You know, some of you by nature might might be a little more bold than others. Just like I think, you know, maybe maybe Peter was a little bit bolder than some of the other disciples just by nature of his personality. Right, so so if, if that's you, that that's okay, right? Because God made you that way. If, if that's one of your gifts, use that gift of boldness. In one of the interviews with the kids, he's saying, I, have to, I was asking him, like, what do you think your, 
your spiritual gifts are and, and how do you think God wants to use those, you know, to, to share his love with others. And he said, you know, I think I can go talk to people. I think I can be someone that just goes and just wears my faith on a sleeve, right? I said, use that boldness, man, right? But I think God, God also gave courage to all the other disciples to, to share the, the, the message of the gospel in different ways, right? God gave them courage to use their own personalities and their different gifts to serve others. God gave each of them a boldness to be able to speak and to act in love and to share the good news with those who needed to hear it. And it all began with them being with Jesus. And really, isn't that where it always begins for all of us too? Already, when you're baptized, right? And the saving name of the triune God is, is placed upon you, and he calls you as his own and promises you, I will, I will always love you no matter what. I will never stop loving you. I will, I will be with you, right? And, and, and the Holy Spirit makes our heart his home. And we begin a journey with Jesus. As you go through life and you, and you learn God's word from, from parents, from teachers, from, from pastors, we, we grow in God's word. And Jesus makes good on that promise that he's, that he's with us. And he's given us his spirit, just like he's given that to Peter and John, the apostles. He still pours out his spirit today through his word and through his sacraments. And, and today, and for our confirmation students this weekend, they're going to get to receive the, this, this special sacrament where Jesus comes to each of us to personally assure us of, of his real presence, of his real forgiveness, of his real powerful grace in our lives. And he gives us a little foretaste of that eternal victory feast of heaven. So where does courage come from? Where, where does bold love come from? Friends, it comes from being with Jesus. Confirmation is this word we, we use to just really talk about what God does for people who, who gather together to study his word. Right? He strengthens us. He confirms us. He, he gives us courage. So stay close to Jesus, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're somewhere in between. Right? Gather together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Keep coming to worship. Study God's word together. Pray together. Encourage each other. And then go out and love boldly in the name of Jesus. You know, the, uh, the authorities eventually released Peter and John from, from jail, but they told them, they said, no, all right, we're going to let you go, but you guys don't go tell anybody else about, about Jesus anymore. Don't go preach and teach in that name of Jesus. And they said, well, sorry, but we, we can't do that. We'd rather obey God than you. And here's what they said after that. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Right? Friends by faith in Jesus, neither can we. Bold love comes from being with Jesus. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard our hearts and our minds through faith 
in Christ Jesus until we see him face to face in heaven. Amen.